Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Scanline Status for July 30th, I guess, 2016. I'm Colin Detmar, uh, one of the, the now two people on Scanline Media. Joining me is Ben Uncle. Hey there. And uh, notably not joining us is uh, former member uh, Johnny Niska. Johnny has decided to part ways with the site and we wish him the best in his future endeavors. Um, so, we've been playing stuff lately. And I guess first I want to talk about how Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go got you back into Pokemon Normal. Okay. Yes. How's that? How's that going? It's uh, been going pretty well, actually. Um, I kind of caught the. Well, everyone else was playing Pokemon Go around me, so of course, since I had local friends playing it, I ended up downloading it, playing that for a bit. I kind of found the actual action of it wanting, aside mm -hmm. from being able to hang out with friends more often. I mean, basically having an excuse to go out and walk places. Um, so, basically the total lack of any sort of trading or fighting other humans or even AI in a reasonable manner made me realize, hey, I have this Pokemon Y game that I've been it's been sitting here for a long time, never even finished it, so why not jump back into that? Yeah, and uh, just a, a quick little bump to our site. Um, there is an article currently up on the site that I wrote about the social shortcomings of Pokemon Go and how it, it kind of undermines the game, that there are no meaningful ways to interact with other people. But So you are finding Pokemon Y's interaction a little more meaningful then? Yeah, it's... Um... It's really neat to just basically wander around this giant sort of 3D environment and actually work on training the Pokemon. Like, well, when I was when I played these games when I was little, my whole approach was just get two or three really good Pokemon because there's always going to be one gym or one fight where a certain type will be at a disadvantage. So I would just catch the three that I wanted train them up as much as I could, and uh, just blast through the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. when I, I don't know if it's from playing a bunch of other games in the, pa in the time since then, but uh, ever since I started, well, restarted Pokemon Y, I've basically been doing things like switching out. I'm putting my weakest Pokemon in the front, so... I switch it out immediately when battle starts. They get more experience and all this various other stuff I've heard people talk about in the past but never did myself. Mm -hmm. So, like, what is your... How much? How many generations of Pokemon did you play? Like, before why? What was the last one you really got into? Hmm. Um, it definitely wasn't one of the DS ones. Um... Was there a Game Boy Advance one after Ruby and Sapphire? No. That was the only Game Boy Advance. Well, I mean, there was Emerald, which was, you know, the yellow of that generation. Mm -hmm. But those were the, that was the only generation that was on Game Boy Advance. Okay. so uh, There were... Actually, sorry. I hate to keep... But there was uh, also... They remade uh, Red and Blue on uh, Game Boy Advance, which was... Uh, what were they called? Fire Red and Leaf Green, I think? So there were the remakes as well. 
Huh. But that was it. They didn't do one for blue then? Uh, no, because in Japan, blue wasn't blue. Blue was green. I see. But yeah, um, I basically stopped uh, with Ruby Sapphire, and there were some points where I would dig out the old uh, Game Boy Pocket and search for batteries and play that a little bit more, but overall, it was I was kind of done with it. Didn't, mm-hmm. didn't really think about it that much. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally understand that. I, I, I and a couple of other people I've talked to felt like the Ruby Sapphire Emerald generation is is when Pokemon kind of started to to lose its way. I feel like it got tied up in too many systems and stopped being as much about the adventure. It felt like. Yeah, and at some point where you just keep adding and adding Pokemon, at some point it just becomes really unwieldy. Like, here's these hundreds and hundreds of creatures you can catch and train, and some of them will be good to train in, others not so much. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, what's what's different with this one that's bringing you back, or is it just that you feel like you have changed? Well, I had a... Uh... Well, I mentioned that I basically restarted Y, so around the time when I got a 3DS for the second time, because I'm bad at... I've had these spells where I'll sell a system and then I'll end up buying it back out of regret. (laughs) But yeah, um, I got Pokemon Y like a few years ago, I think, and... I was really impressed by the setting, how it was basically the 3D animation of Pokemon Stadium, but with a much bigger scale. And I I just stopped playing for some reason. I think what got me back in this time, aside from just seeing the brand in a much bigger side, is realizing that I don't have to actually just do the same thing that I did before, because frankly, that's a really boring way to play anything. Mm-hmm. Just brute forcing through everything. So, I think deciding, okay, this time I'm actually going to try and catch them all. I'm actually going to try and build up a whole roster that I'll switch back and forth, and I'll go into my PC box and remove these lower-level Pokemon and try and get them back up and evolve too. And there's just something a lot more engaging about playing it that way. And, like... I feel like they made a lot of changes to the X and Y generation that made that made it a less lot less like grueling honestly like I mean they you know the the obvious things are they improved the presentation and stuff right and that's really like it looks a lot better the graphics are better the art style is not that different but it just it pops more with a new design yeah um but, I mean, like, things like the new XP share. The XP share has been an item that's been in the game for a long time. But usually what it is is an item that you give to a Pokemon to hold, and then they bo- it and someone else split experience, right? hmm And now it's just a thing you turn on and your whole party gets experience, and it's not dividing it six ways. I don't think you get a full 100%, but it's like all six of your Pokemon get, like, 80%, I think? Please if you can write in to correct me on my math if you want, I won't be upset, but I realize that I'm probably a little off about it. But you get way more experience than you would with your XP share off. It's just a good thing. Um, and the games have always been pretty 
grinding heavy, and that really helps. Yeah, the one thing I'm kind of anxious about in regards to XP share is I'm trying to catch all these other Pokemon, and every time you catch something... Well, in the past, like Pokemon Blue, for example, which I know because I also ended up downloading that on the Virtual Console, um, when you caught something, you didn't get any of the experience points. But now, even when you're catching something, you're getting a bump, and as my Pokemon get higher and higher level, I kind of worry about going back and catching some of the ones that I've missed. Like, am I just going to bump them and then immediately eviscerate them? Well, there's an, a there's a move you can get. You can get um, so one of the changes they made is that in the earlier games, I don't remember when this changed. It might have been around black and white or something. But um, in earlier games, a TM, a technical machine, which teaches a Pokemon a move, was a one-time use item, and now they're infinite use. So there is a TM you can get called False Swipe, which is a move that will not kill. It will it will never drop someone below one HP. So you get a Pokemon, you teach them False Swipe, and you just go around beating the shit out of low-level Pokemon, and they'll just oh, they will always survive with one HP, and then you can catch them. Wow, that's that's amazing. It's they've done a lot of smart stuff over the course of that series, and I feel my personal feeling on Pokemon is that they need to like consolidate and regroup. Like they need to cut out a lot of the Pokemon because we have so many now. They need to cut out a lot of the mechanics, and they need to make it less, like... If I say evolutionary values, what does that mean to you? Um, well, you also wrote a previous article on Pokemon before this, um, and you mentioned how basically, no matter how far you level up or evolve certain Pokemon, they're just not going to match up to other ones. Yeah, like, there's sort of a a base level of stats and abilities that each Pokemon has, but also, like, one of the things is that even when you're leveling a Pokemon, how you level them determines how strong they get, right? If you are... Okay, let's take, for example, let's take Pikachu, right? If you take a Pikachu and you have it defeat a lot of Pidgeys, it will gain speed. It will gain a lot of the stat speed. And there are optimal ways for your Pokemon to level based on fighting specific enemies or by consuming specific items as you level to make them have the best stats. And it's a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, that seems really at odds with everything else in Pokemon Y, like, uh... This is what I'm saying! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, playing it, it's... Like, uh, the woods were always a place where it was kind of where the... Wheat met the chaff. That I'm probably totally messing up that phrase, but basically, the woods area was your first area without a Pokemon Center in a little bit of time, and there was nothing to really save you unless you stocked up on potions and you knew what you were doing. But in Pokemon Y, your very first woods account encounter you have one of your friends tagging along and saying oh hey just talk to me and i'll heal everything for you Mm -hmm. there are a lot of opportunities and like there are also like trainers in you'll encounter in like dungeons in pokemon x and y who are nurses and after you get done fighting them they're like oh good fight here i'll heal your pokemon up have fun in there and you know come back if you need anything and it just it makes the whole experience so much more pleasant right yeah 
and I really like I'm curious to see what they do with Sun and Moon to continue that progression but it feels like they're really unwilling to cut anything from these games like they're hmm. unwilling to cut mechanics or Pokemon or moves or abilities or any of these things and so they're just piling on and on and on and it's kind of a mess and they can hide the mess from you because like if you're just playing and you turn on your XP share and you're just like I'm just going to have a good time and fight my way through the gyms that's great and those games are really good at that and they're really fun and you feel the adventure but like if you happen to decide like oh I think this Pokemon's cool and that Pokemon just has bad stats then you're like wait why does this Pokemon just suck no matter how much I level them <laughs> or like hang on I got this item called like a, a like a rasp berry and then if I turn it into a poke block I can what I don't understand yeah and even from terms of transportation it's like you one of the first things they give you is a pair of skates which make you go pretty fast and then at some point they also give you a bike it's like I already have these great roller blades why am I going to be using a bike now because the bike is faster oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean like that is one of my favorite things is these games have always been like grid based movement right mm-hmm. and X and Y at first is no different and then you get the and they're not roller skates I mean you're not wrong but they're heelys do you remember those oh yeah and they light up and stuff on you <laughs> yeah and like like heelys you like you like you move your foot in a way and the roller and the little roller blade part pops out specifically in Pokemon you just like you sort of like you flick and then when you're done with one you hop and click your heels together and it's adorable um but like you're moving on a grid and then you get these and it's like if you want to move normally you can use the d-pad and if you use the circle pad you use your heelys and first of all that's just a really like natural intuitive control scheme but also it's like oh wait this game actually isn't grid based you can go wherever the hell you want fuck grids and it's great yeah it makes it a bit harder to talk to people that are stationary but other than that it's a really helpful thing and if you go into tall grass with your heelys just like when you try to like walk through tall grass on rollerblades you walk really awkwardly and clumsily <laughs> and you should really just switch back to the d-pad it's great i love it nice also with uh in terms of the number of pokemon that's actually going to be an even bigger issue with sun and moon because not only are you able to take all the pokemon from x and y the 3DS remakes of uh, Ruby and Sapphire into Sun and Moon, you also can take the original Pokemon from Red, Blue, and Yellow, like the ones that you catch there, into that game. Only the uh, the 3DS uh, re-releases, the virtual console ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that functionality actually isn't in the game yet. They said that they're going to add it around the time that Sun and Moon come out. They're going to patch it in. But yeah, you will then be able to transfer them to your Pokebank. Um. yeah I don't know like I know they're not like they should do that but like as soon as you find out that they're not going to for a given game like we figured out a long time ago like okay sun and moon you're not going to cut any Pokemon right it's like okay now that we know that that's disappointing but let's look at what we have you know mm-hmm. so I'm I kind of I I'm a little disappointed in that but that I figured that out a while ago and I've moved on yeah. It it also brings to mind, though, that the Pokemon Bank in itself seems like a service that 
kind of dissuades them from doing any of those sorts of changes because that's a source of revenue for them. They it used to be five dollars a month. I think it's eight dollars a month. I mean, eight dollars used to be five dollars a year, but now it's eight dollars a year. And but that's a year. Like that's so like that's not enough money for them to care. That is, I'm like. Well, given the number of people that play Pokemon, that probably adds up pretty fast. I guess, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe you're right. I, like, certainly, I don't know. I, I have my thoughts on what Pokemon you should cut, right? Mm-hmm. And other people have their own thoughts. And if a new Pokemon game came out and they'd cut down the roster and I wasn't able to transfer my Victini Corwin. And I would be really pissed. Because <laughs> that guy's fucking awesome. Um, wow, we spent a lot of time on Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, so, in in the neighborhood of cute things, I have been playing uh, Anarchute lately, which is a... Gosh, I don't entirely know how to describe it genre. Um, it is a top-down uh, game where you play as a group of rioters of various sizes like it, it you know you it, the number of rioters is kind of like your health bar and also grants you access to more powers if you have more um and it kind of controls like a mix of a top down action game and pikmin i guess um and basically you are a bunch of like rabbits and and cats and dogs and you know foxes and whatever who are rioting because you're being oppressed by these fascist gas masked people. And the game is incredibly chipper and cheerful. <laughs> it's like the whole, the whole game has this like really adorable soundtrack. The art style is great. It's really fun. And it's really like, I'm, I'm working on trying to write something about it, but like, it's really refreshing to see someone take something like this, like the concept of like, rioters attempting to destroy a system of government and not take it too seriously hmm yeah I, th- I think I see what you're getting at but I also feel like them choosing the specific aesthetic is them making their own sort of statement about the way that we about the kinds of protests that we deem more digestible in other words essentially sure um, I don't think you're wrong, but I think, I mean, it feels to me like part of their, their message is just kind of like, we've, we've gotten to a point, at least, okay, I can't speak for the rest of the world, right? And this game was made by some French developers, so maybe they have a very different perspective on things. But we've gotten to the point in America where media uses terms like protest and rioter and, well, rioter that one's fair, right? Riots are kind of inherently a, a rough a rough deal. But like even protests and protesters our media tends to demonize them. For sure. And I I I think it's a little more complicated and I want to I want to sort of do a real deep dive. But it's really refreshing that this game doesn't treat these people as bad people, right? It's like no, like I mean obviously the the oppressors in this game are really like cartoonishly evil 
but it's just sort of like no like what these people are doing the game contextualizes as being like a right and a just thing to do but also isn't isn't preaching at you you know it's just like no this is this is good fun but also yeah these these are good people and they're doing a good thing i don't know well, you say good thing but you also mention they're riding do they like destroy things like do you totally <laughs> you like you pick up cars and throw them at, at you know riot police you knock over buildings you're smashing shit ah. um but like a lot of it is like evil corporations having brainwashed the world i think is the is the story of the game um yeah the enemy is called the brainwash patrol so like you know it's it's something that I'm not going to be able to fully explore <laughs> right now. I'm going to have to do a deeper dive. And I I took one pass at an article, and boy, is it rough. So I'm going to have to do another, probably another couple. Yeah, it, uh, um, yeah. If nothing else, it's a very, it's a very unique sort of attention grabbing grabbing way to portray this sort of topic, and it makes me interested in giving it a look myself. Like, uh. I'd be really interested to see how that actually translates into the gameplay for myself. It's pretty fun. Um, so you've been playing quadrilateral, quadrilateral Cowboy. Is there a single podcaster who can say that their first try? I bet everyone just edits it out when they mess it up. Let's see. Uh, quadrilateral Cowboy. You said it all slow, though. You cheated. <laughs> it's Quadrilateral Cowboy. I totally didn't... I messed it up again. I was going fast. I was trying to go fast. Anyway, you've played that game. Yeah, it's a... So, basically, to set it up, you're basically one of three uh, hackers that basically... You get contracts from these companies, and you don't actually go on the jobs yourself. At least you aren't at this very moment. You're basically using this simulation to then wander around, create different hacks to get inside and outside of buildings using actual terminal commands. Like, it teaches you this whole coding syntax, and uh, it's probably based on a real coding language, I bet. And it has this really... It's by Blendo Games, so it has this really Blendo Games charm that's pretty much been throughout all of their different titles in the past like uh it's actually in the same universe as uh citizen i mean gravity bone and 30 flights of loving so you have crazy things like uh carrying around a walkman that plays full-size records and having your main character basically has a chalkboard on taking up an entire wall and if you look closely at the text it's all code for hacking the planet and it's a bunch of really goofy stylistic choices that end up telling something of a actual meaningful if uh somewhat silent story like you spend some moments just playing badminton on the roof and just spending time with uh, these hackers, brief as it is. And, uh, yeah, I think that both gameplay-wise and 
story-wise, it really appeals to me. Except for the part where I continuously have to either get out of the game or relaunch it. Get out of the game and relaunch it, or basically try a number of things and hope I can salvage my save from time to time, because it is pretty buggy. Hmm. Like, That's unfortunate. Yeah, like... uh at some point, my parser stopped moving at all. Like, I couldn't see any new text on the little computer that I type all my commands in. So I was like, okay, I'll just restart the game again, no problem. Except it saved that state, and it was still really messed up. So what I had to do is I had to flood the screen with all these different commands, then hit clear. And while it still wasn't working exactly right... I could finally see what I was typing for long enough to complete that set of missions, and when it loaded a new set of missions, it wiped the slate completely clean. That's that's very unfortunate. I hope they sort out those technical issues. Yeah. My understanding is it's running on the Doom 3 engine because of, you know, it's it's using a lot of, of screen within the game stuff. Like, you're using a computer within the game, and that's something that the Doom 3 engine had coded into it really intricately for some bizarre reason because <laughs> um, yeah I guess because John Carmack's a crazy person yeah but um, I wonder if that's the issue because I don't like I don't maybe I'm wrong I don't think that engine was used for a whole lot of games and maybe it just has a lot of like quirks that make it weird to create your own thing in yeah um, well Brendan Chung actually I think that he favors everything id text so like all of his previous games were basically running on a version of Quake 3, which is the same thing that used to power everything from Return to Castle Wolfenstein to the early Call of Duty games. And, uh, well, some of it still survives in certain Call of Duty games up, up to at least the 360 era. And so I saw that him basically going, well... Quake 3 isn't cutting anymore. Let's move on to Doom 3. And he's made things in Doom 3 before, but nothing ever... I don't think anyone's ever made something quite like this in regards to what it allows you to do. Like, I saw some programming people I follow on Twitter post a few examples, and this isn't even stuff that the game teaches you, but someone was able to basically get their little command prompt to play stuff like Axel F and hmm. do all sorts of weird things like that. So I have never played a Blendo Games game. I really need to try 30 Flights of Loving. Yeah, 30 Flights of Loving actually comes with uh, Gravity Bones, so that's two and one that you can play. Two of the best ones, actually. My question is... I have played jazz punk. Are the art styles pretty similar? Uh, uh, jazz punk has does the same sort of blocky thing, but it feels like the art itself in Blender's very stuff, Blender's various stuff, is a lot more focused. Like it's very, it's very honed into this specific fifties, sixties sort of era. And it, it's just something that feels very coherent in a way that jazz punk didn't. Jazz punk mm. was also more about 
haha, so random jokes. While, and while Gravity Bone and some of these other games certainly have things that are, that are humorous through their bizarreness, they still have... It feels a lot more straight-laced. Like, nothing in jazz punk effectively would work out in its own universe. It would pretty much collapse the first within its first few seconds of existence. And uh, I don't know. I feel I feel like the part where you're in the china shop smashing all the vases trying to get that fly, that was okay. That would probably be a good little mini game. Yeah, sure. Um but yeah, basically my point is that through these various games uh, Brendan Chung has created this universe that feels very, it feels very together in a way that Jazz Punk felt more like, oh, hey, here's a zombie pizza joke. Here's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles joke. Here's all of these jokes that don't actually make sense within the universe's context. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe by the next time we record one of these, I'll have, I'll have played 30 Flights of Loving and maybe Quadrilateral Cowboy, because I am, I am definitely interested and we can... We can talk about that. Um, I think we probably have time for for one more game from each of us, so I will talk a little bit about Evolve, which I've been playing lately. Well, I I didn't actually know that. I was... Yeah, if I had known that, I probably would have asked you to play some. (laughs) You can still do that. Um, I am not... Like, I have not given up on Evolve. Um... Evolve recently changed into Evolve Stage 2, as they're calling it, which is a free-to-play version of the game. Um, And so this game is kind of infamous for having been marketed to be an eSport game, right? That, and also they had advertised the DLC so much that people had assumed that it would just be a empty shell of a game where you just bought all the parts piecemeal. Mm-hmm. And okay, so listen. The balance in this game is so fucking bad <laughs> that the idea that they would think this could be an eSport, like, this, the balance is this bad after it having been out for, what, like two years? Or is it just a year? Is, is, my, is my internal clock off? But oh. like, it's been out for a while. Yeah, and they just pushed out a gigantic balance patch that fundamentally changed the way that game operates. Yeah, it looks like it's been out for about 17 months, and it's it's a disaster of balance. Um, and that's fine for, like, just for having... Well, okay, that's mostly fine for just having fun, right? Like, here are the nice things I have to say about the game. I think... Like, visually, it's stunning, and it runs well on my computer. Like, I have to turn down the graphics a little bit because certain, like, certain effects. Like, one guy has, like, a like a, a radar ping or something that sends this blue wave going through the whole world, and that makes my frame rate a little unhappy. But, like, my computer is pretty, it's getting, getting up there in years, and this game runs well and looks really good on it. I think the way they do, like, the the characters where they're like they're chatting the whole time and talking to each other and having little lines all feels really good and is is often really funny or really engaging and i think the dynamic of the four versus one 
is basically really fun and unique, right? Mm-hmm. And I like the game. But some of the characters are just bad. A lot of them are not very intuitive or feel weird. Like, there's a character who can res people. Uh, his name is Lazarus. He's a medic who can res people. But, like, you can help people up when they're downed already. And he can res people after they've died, but only in this window before they've respawned. And once they're dead, they no longer have, like, an indicator on their corpse, so they can really easily blend in with the ground, because the graphics are all, like... I don't know if it... I don't know if it runs on Unreal 3, but it sure as shit looks like it does. Hmm. Um, it's... There are a lot of really confusing choices in the game. I mean, even, like... When I played, the, the week that I played, because it's on a sort of a League of Legends style of cycling of free characters and monsters that change every week, and also you can buy some to have them permanently, right? And the week I, I started playing, uh, the Wraith monster was free. And Jesus, the Wraith is powerful. I did not lose as the Wraith. Ever. Um... And the second I tried the Goliath, which is a monster you can unlock through a tutorial, I lost immediately. And it was not because, like, I thought the maybe the Goliath was underpowered, maybe, but mostly it's just that I was playing people who have played this game for a while and know what they're doing and just, you know, outplayed me. But as the Wraith, it didn't matter because the Wraith is so powerful. There's, uh, like, a sort of a spidery monster who, on a specific map where there are acid pits has an ability that basically, like, she, like, crowd controls you and forces you to a specific place. And she can just dump you in the acid and you instantly die. We fought her, and she, like, the player knew about this clearly and ran to the acid pits. And we were like, haha, we got her trapped. And in 30 seconds of engaging her, all of us were dead. And she was still stage one. She just instantly murdered us all. Yikes. The game is a mess. <laughs> And there are a lot of cool things about it, but they have so much work to do. And I can see why that work wasn't necessarily done, because the game didn't catch on. And so they probably, like, they did what they could to keep the game alive while it was still a paid game. But, like, they probably didn't invest a ton of money because they weren't getting much out of it. And I guess I hope it succeeds in this free-to-play state so that they can polish up this idea into being something better because it is pretty cool. But also, if it's this much of a mess right now, I don't know how much people will stick around or want to give it money. You played it before all of this. What do you think? Yeah, I was kind of... Yeah, something about the presentation, like you said, is very alluring. Just like... This is the same studio that did Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, and those games were fantastic co-op experiences that... Everything just popped and felt very, it felt very snappy in a way that most co-op games don't really have in terms of speed or anything else. And, uh, Evolve has some of that, and they also, they also kind of simplify things to a astounding degree. Like, they're very clear about what buttons do in tutorials and everything else, and... It feels like it's very friendly with how 
about where abilities will land you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, all that stuff's pretty great. It's just... When I played it, at least, um, the monster al- won almost every time. <laughs> like, uh, there's just something about the way that the trapper initially worked. Like, the trapper was the only one that had that radius net thing that could... The dome? Yeah, the dome. They were initially the only ones that had that ability. And making sure that the right person was near the monster at the right time, and not someone else, made it very difficult, even more than other cooperative games or competitive games, to communicate with the team and being like, okay, you're the hunter, well, you're the trapper, you you get out there, you trap them, and then we'll come in and do business. Mm-hmm. And it's really reassuring. It's really reassuring to hear that one of their very first changes is giving that dome to everyone, and that makes me hopeful that they have at least some sort of idea about what was wrong with that game, and that they'll work to basically keep the people that they've brought in with this free-to-play stuff, like. I imagine the player count for Evolve right now is much, much higher than it's been even since launch. And if they want those people to stick around, they need to show that they're going to be really active in changing things. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, I don't know. One of the things that I feel like is a problem with their, you know, that they're going to have to figure out is... The characters are really, really different. Like, even within the same class, they are really different. And some of them have abilities that are pretty weird. Um, like, the free trapper when I was playing was Jack, right? Mm-hmm. And one of his items, I figured out how to use, like, about five seconds before I died, which is basically a glove that, like, if you're standing in front of the monster and you're using your glove, the monster's movement gets way slowed, right? Yeah. And there's, like, a button you can hold down to look at what all your stuff does. But there is zero downtime in this game. You don't have time to read. Like, you have to move, 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 move this entire game or you lose. Yeah, because if you're if you're the hunter and you're not moving, then the monster is eating other monsters and gaining levels. And if you're the monster and you're dilly-dallying, they're going to be closing in on you. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, and with, with the, like, that doesn't sound that bad initially, but then it's like, oh, wait, every week this is going to change. And, like, you know, obviously they don't have infinite characters for each class, but they have a lot. They have, like, nine for each class. It's amazing how many characters they have now. And so, like, if you play this game for nine weeks every week, you're going to be like, okay, what the... like, And, you know, also all the different classes. The number of times you're going to boot up a character and just have no idea what the fuck any of your buttons do is kind of staggering. And, you know, okay, this is coming from a guy who plays Dota, right? (laughs) But Dota has quiet time. Dota has lots of quiet time. There are plenty of moments for you to look at what your stuff does and figure it out. And also... If I'm allowed to be this snob for a second, Dota's way better balanced and way better built for competitive play 
than Evolve is, where, as you say, like, the monster wins a lot. It's not as bad as it, it, it apparently was at the start, but the monster wins a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, in terms of balance, comparing it directly to Dota is a bit unfair, because Dota's totally. been around Very for... Totally, very unfair. Dota's been around for more than a decade at this point, and... Well, Evolve has been around for a few years as they built it, um, playtested it, and now it's in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty unfair comparison to be sure, but I don't know. I feel like, I mean, and, and this is also a situation of maybe me, you know, sins of the father kind of thing. Like, maybe I should let go of the fact that they wanted this to be an eSport because they don't seem to be doing that now. Maybe <laughs> I should let it go, right? Yeah. Um, but also, like, just if you want it to be a versus game where, like, the sides... If you're not going to make things symmetrical, you got to be really careful. And it just doesn't feel like they're being very careful. Yeah, the, um... The immense amount of DLC that they released for that game is the reason why you're having a situation where you're cycling through all these different characters and I can understand why they wouldn't want to kind of take all those characters away immediately because it's a, it's a great way to get people and being like, Oh, Hey, here's all this stuff you get. And for the people who bought that content and still have that game, that would probably be a really easy way to piss off the fan base. Like, oh, the community is not ready for this set of heroes yet, so we're turning it off for you for a while. Sorry, but hmm. it's one of those situations where it's a lot easier for something like... Uh... Hmm. I'm, think- I'm trying to think of another free-to-play game that isn't a MOBA. <laughs> I mean, like any or just a versus one? Um, a versus one, like um, Crossfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe something like Killer Instinct. I feel like Killer Instinct has a. All those characters are vastly different, but I feel like there's a bit more. The button, like you said, the buttons themselves don't change with something like Killer Instinct. Well, in this one, they do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope they, I hope they figure it out because it's it's really there's there is nothing like it. Yeah. And you, I can see so much potential. And also, I mean, I, I I touched on it briefly, but there really is just so much character to the game. Like, they're like as you're getting ready to drop as the hunters because the game the game starts. And, you know, there's the hunter and then there are the mo- there are the hunters and then there's the monster and the monster needs a head start. So the monster gets to move well before the hunters do. And the way they fill that time is that you're in the dropship as the hunters and the hunters are having a little bit of banter before you drop. And there is a lot of banter recorded. It's based on the combinations of characters. It's them talking to each other. It's really well written. And it's often really funny. Like, there's a character who is a robot, and there is, like, there's a conversation between him and, I don't know, one of the other people being like, so what's that thing on your shoulder? And the robot's like, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, but you're, 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 
you're a robot, shouldn't you know what your body is? And he's like, oh, this body didn't used to be mine. And the other guy goes like, wait, what? And then they drop. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just like funny, clever little things that show the personality of the characters. And I don't know. There's there's a lot of talent shining through almost every aspect of that game, except for maybe the balance. Yeah, that game did the same thing that uh, Battleborn ended up doing, where they have a mode that's basically called a campaign mode, and they're trying to tell a story of sorts, except kind of failing at the story part itself. But the banter is a lot lot better than Battleborn, I'll put it out there. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting to see people experiment with ways to integrate story into this sort of model, and I guess it's one of the better ones, except for the entire campaign mode, which is just a series of levels. Hmm. Well, let's move on to your last game, if you will. What would you like to talk about? Hmm. I guess I'll mention that I played a bit of the Warriors. Um, ended up seeing that Red Dead Redemption was being supported on Xbox One, and for some reason that made me take a look at what was supported on PS4. And they had recently re-released the Warriors, so I ended up downloading that. I've never... It's one of the few Rockstar games I've never played. I think... Actually, I think the only Rockstar game I've never played is Manhunt 2. And... The Warriors turned out to be this really... invigorating blast for someone who... has... I feel like I've made my position on Rockstar pretty clear over the past year or so. Like... Mm -hmm. And I, I have... It took me a little while, but I am basically right there with you now. Yeah, they're basically... They do these really amazing sorts of uh, game systems, and they make some pretty fun missions, but overall, their current tone is basically this really ugly, sort of cynical, haha, the entire world sucks, everything sucks about it, let's just poke fun at all these... all these people, both high and low, but mostly the people who are on the lower rungs of the socioeconomic and yeah. um, and, social end, basically. And not to harp, but when they're not doing that, then they're just being, they're just like, like, oh, look, it's a billboard, and the product name is a dick joke. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, that, that stuff is really, really prevalent in GTA V, which clashes with how beautiful that game is. It's just incredibly childish. Yeah. Meanwhile, something like The Warriors, going back to that, it's a whole different type of rock star. Like, they're still... They're still trying inventive ways to have something like that play. But at the same time, they're just really enthusiastic about the whole thing. Like, it's clear from the very... Even the intro movie they really, really love the Warriors of the movie, like, everything about it. And in some level, that's... They're trying to do their best to replicate parts of that. And they do a really great job of replicating, but then they take it a step further, and they seem to know exactly 
what to do within that tone and world that feels incredibly natural. Like, you go around, you can basically be the war chief of your war party, and you can basically order people around to smash up shops, take stuff. You can break into cars and steal radios. You end up causing trouble just to get the police out in one place so you can mess up a gang in another place. It just feels like a very alive, grungy world. But they're having a whole lot of fun with the whole thing. And that's just a really refreshing version of Rockstar to see. Like, them using their extraordinary amount of talent to something that's feels a lot more creative and ironically positive for a story about a really bleak sort of New York. I mean, it seems to me a lot like what they brought in. I mean, I, okay. I haven't played the warriors and I, I feel like maybe I should. Um, but it seems like from the outside, a lot like what they brought with bully bully had a little bit of their, their GTA hilarious cynicism in it. And it wasn't great, but like, Bully also had a lot of stuff that was about, like, how shitty it is to be a kid in a way that was sympathetic and not just like, wow, kids are losers and adults are losers. Um, and I don't know. I, I felt like Bully had this tone of, like, God, I can't. I, do you? Can you help me out here? Did you play a lot of Bully? Yeah, I did. I kind of feel like it's a similar tone to the Warriors in a way, because I feel like they're really... They've seen a lot of stuff like Animal House and movies like that, and they, they're they kind of in love with that whole fictitious um, school culture of these different uh, jocks, preps, nerds, that sort of thing. Except they mm-hmm. add a lot more humanity and nuance to some of the various characters in it and yeah yeah i think i guess i think that's what i was trying to get at i'm i don't know my brain just stopped um but like i feel like bully tries to like tries to have clicks but also to humanize them and it also has a concept of like like in gta it wants you to have fun while you're like dealing drugs and shooting people and you know, the gameplay is fun, but, like, it never feels conceptually fun, right? Like, mm-hmm. it never seems like a joke that you're shooting people. And they sometimes want it to. And it's like, I mean, no, I can enjoy this, but, like, it's not a joke. I'm, I'm fucking shooting people because drugs. That's not hilarious. But, like, in Bully, you're, like, you're putting marbles on the ground so a guy who's been a dick to some geeks can fucking slip and fall on his ass. And that that can be hilarious, right? That is a level of a level of I I don't want to say violence, but I guess like a level a level of getting up to some shit that you can still be lighthearted about. Yeah, basically mischief. Mischief's yeah. a pretty good way to putting. Bully. It's a great way to put it, and I feel like sometimes they want to describe what what happens in GTA as mischief, and it's like no, <laughs> you guys are creeps. Yeah, uh, I guess I also see a lot of the warriors as mischief myself because aside from doing things like spray painting and stuff like that, just the verbiage that they use for everything, 
you're not killing people, you're bopping them. Mm. You're basically... Does it feel very River City Ransom? Um, it feels a lot more technical than River City Ransom. Like, you have, you have blocks, you can, you can grab people and move into heavy and light attacks, throw people around, break out of holds, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And on some level, it's not the cleanest thing ever. It's it's kind of clunky, in fact, but it's clunky in a way that feels like it works. And also, yeah. one of the really neat things I like about it is when you get into some of these really huge fights, like uh, seven-person per- gangs on seven-person gangs, there's a lot of moments where you're ended up actually knocking into your own gang members, and you're basically just... It's like this giant mosh pit of people punching each other and hitting each other with baseball bats. And there's just something very cartoonish and madcap about this violence that you can only sort of just swing around and hope for the best and hope that you're not accidentally hitting one of your own warriors. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. I want to play that. I will probably. I will. I will get it coming up. I guess there's not really any rush because the game is very old at this point. Um, but also, I just... I want to... Okay. The odds of a person who has any influence over Rockstar listening to us <laughs> is so small, it is effectively zero, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go ahead and just sort of shout into the void anyway. We know you can do this kind of tone... I'd really love it if you guys got back to that. Like, I'm also, like, I, my suspicion, along with other people's, is that you guys are working on another Red Dead game right now. And I did enjoy Red Dead Redemption a whole hell of a lot. And I enjoyed that game's tone, mostly. It was certainly better than GTA's. But also, just... Show us the rock star that feels like it's having fun. And not taking itself so seriously. Yeah, amen to that. And, uh, I don't know, I, I guess with that, I think that's that's how I want to close out the episode. Uh, okay. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. This has been, you know, another episode of Scanline Status, which goes up on our Scanline Presents feed, which you can find on iTunes. Any rating and reviews you wanted to give there would be really appreciated. It helps us move up the ranks, you know, so that we could possibly get, you know, seen on a charted list or something so that people can find this and also, you know, help us out there too if you want to send any like questions or comments or anything that you want on the show or maybe ideas for episodes of the show you can contact me on twitter i'm at 6264 written out as words um and if you want to help us out with more equipment or software so that we can cover more stuff you could go to patreon.com slash scanline media and chip in and as i say that money goes towards getting us stuff so we can cover more things it's not stuff that we use you know it doesn't line our pockets. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Oh, also, if you haven't figured this out, scanlinemedia.com. That's where we're, we're based. That's <laughs> where we have articles and stuff. Probably should have said that. Nice catch. I'm getting worse at this. Ugh, I swear. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. I'll see you next time. Have a good night.